Okay, well, I'm going to go ahead and get us started. Um, the first thing I wanted to do is just introduce myself. Uh, this is Jamie Kaplan, and this is the Higher Education Resources Consortium Call for Hazards. And I'm thrilled to have all of you here. There's at least 20 people on the phone right now. And Eric Berman is on the line with us, and he's going to be giving us a bit of a presentation and leading a discussion in a couple minutes. I've got a number of um, announcements to make and things to tell you. <clears throat> Excuse me. So let me start by saying I am recording this phone call, and it is my hope that the recording works out well and I can turn the call into a podcast which will then be placed on iTunes as well as on the Youth Hazards website. So uh, the other thing is to please, uh, if you have already, put your phone on mute. That's really helpful, but please do not put your phone on hold. When people press the hold button, then the entire conference call listens to music on hold, and that destroys our call. So, again, please use your mute button or just sit quietly, but uh, don't put us on hold. Um, all right. Does anybody have any questions about the HERF call before I get started with all my announcements? Okay. Well, let me go through a few things I want you to be aware of. Um, first is, like I mentioned, I'm going to be recording this call. I try and record as many calls, um, hazardous-related calls that we do, and uh, I turn the uh, calls into podcasts, which you can find on iTunes if you search for hazardous. And I know not everybody is familiar with iTunes, um, so if you uh, don't like to listen to things on iTunes, you can listen to the podcasts on the usehazards.com website. And I recently put up the um, recordings from last week's National Hazards User Group calls. So the uh, Hug Leadership call I recorded, uh, that's the first time I've done that. And that's up there, so if you'd like to listen to the uh, conversation of all the leaders nationwide, you can go ahead and do that. And then the topic-specific call from January is also up there and uh, posted, and Philip Schneider gave us a presentation about a tool that works with Hazus. So I think that you'll find that interesting. Um, you can look on the Use Hazus website for the um, presentations that go along with the podcast. I'm going to look into seeing if I can post the presentations with the podcast on iTunes, but I haven't quite gotten that far. Uh, so it's my hope to do that. Now, talking about um, national calls, the um, February national topic-specific call will be February 28th at 3 o'clock Eastern Time, 3 to 4 Eastern Time. And the dial-in and PIN number for that call are the same that you use for um, calling in right now. So you have that with you. And uh, what we're going to talk about on that call, again, it's February 28th, is the um, Hazus 2.1, and we'll have a representative from the three different developer teams on the call. And they'll give a brief presentation about what they've updated in Hazus 2.1, which should come out later this month, we hope, and uh, give you an opportunity to ask any questions of them. Now, I want you to know that just um, as I'm reviewing all the different hazardous activities that we've got going on, a place that you can go and look at them, I created a calendar called Hazardous Activities at a Glance, and that is on the youthhazardous.com website. Um, I'm finding it useful. It's something that the HUG leaders requested, and I think that they're probably finding it pretty useful, so I encourage you to take a look at that. It gives you a sense of all the different 
trainings that are happening, hug calls that are going on, um, and any kind of special events that we have. So coming up, um, there's a hug call for Canada next week at 1.30 Eastern Time on the 15th. You're welcome to participate in any user group calls, so you don't have to only participate in the um, hug closest to you. You can really get involved in any of them. And the Delaware Hug has a call on the 27th of February at 2 o'clock. All right. Uh, just a, a couple other quick announcements. The Northeastern has its user group is going to have an in-person meeting on March 8th in Boston. Um, it's going to be the New England has this day, I think we're going to call it. So I encourage um, you, if you're in the New England area and have a chance to join us in Boston that day, again, that's March 8th, and it'll be from 10 to 4. All right, a couple of other things to let you know. Um, the Idaho Hug is hosting a training March 22nd to 23rd. So if you're looking for a regionally-based training, that's available to you. Again, I mentioned that as is 2.1, we're hoping it will be released sometime this month. And the best way for you to find out about uh, events and releases such as 2.1 is to sign up for the FEMA Gov Delivery Announcements, and that's an email blast that you get one to three times in the month. It's not going to overwhelm you, but uh, it really is your best resource for finding latest, greatest news. So if you haven't signed up to receive those Gov deliveries, I encourage you to do so. We have written a new hot zone for February, which should be released shortly. Uh, and that will have some information about how HAZUS was used for Hurricane Irene by the Pacific Disaster Center as well as the um, NESAC, the Northeastern States Emergency Consortium. Anybody have a question so far? All right, sorry to bore you with announcements, but I have a couple more. Um, we have combined all of the or many of the HAZUS flyers. I think you may be aware that we generate quite a few outreach materials, and in an effort to make them a little bit more concise and hopefully more accessible and user-friendly to you, we do have four new flyers that will be posted up in the FEMA library shortly. We've submitted them um, for posting there, and that just takes a couple days. So they should be up there shortly. I'll also put them up on the Use HAZUS website um, the next day or two. You can look for those. The hug flyer we've redone with a new map, um, and that's a good resource for you to see where all the hugs are nationwide. And again, I encourage you to participate in all of them, or at least in several. Okay, I have fabulous news, and that is that Bert Struick of NRCAN, who is the leader of the Canadian Hug and their uh, Canadian Risk Assessment Users Group, was nominated as our first. Uh, International Hazus User of the Year for uh, the fourth quarter of 2011. I know that Bert can't be on this call right now, but if you do get an opportunity to correspond with him or talk to him, please congratulate him. It's uh, a really well-deserved award, and if you have a chance to participate in any of his calls, he holds two um, Canadian hug calls a month, and uh, they're well worth your time. All right, I think that I have just one more announcement, and that is if you're looking for a really good 
um, explanation of what HAZUS is and, and how it works or you're trying to explain it to somebody else, I encourage you to take a look at the HAZUS for Decision Makers PowerPoint or course. It's on the um, ESRI website. It's also um, actually on YouTube. It's Kevin Mickey with doing a PowerPoint talking about HAZUS, and it's a really good introduction. So if you're looking for that, um, I encourage you to take a look at it. All right. Um, anybody with questions before we get started with our main topic for today? Are you sure? Okay. Well, then, um, Eric, if you are all set, I'll let you introduce yourself and go ahead and give us your presentation. Sure. Um, my name is Eric Berman. I work at uh, FEMA headquarters on the HAZARDS program. And um, usually I ask people to show their hands, but I don't know if that would help me out this time. So we'll probably just let me just take the assumption that um, everyone on here is from a uh, institution of higher learning. So we're all from colleges. If there anyone isn't um, dealing with that, more on the teaching of HAZUS or interested in how HAZUS could be used in their curriculum, um, is, there, is there anyone that isn't using HAZUS that way or, or has that um, interest at this time? Okay, thank you. Because sometimes we have, oh, pardon? I'm sorry, Eric. One thing, and this is Jamie, one thing I think I should mention is since I didn't take attendance, there's over 20 people on the phone. Um, I didn't want to take the time with that. But please, since we are recording the call, and as Eric mentioned, we can't see each other, if you do want to speak up, um, introduce yourself. Give us some sense of who you are and what's going on, and that will help us with our conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Jane. Um, what I kind of then would focus today on more is how has this is being used at some of the institutions of higher learning, um, more on developing on how people have incorporated in their curriculum. Um, recently, um, myself and a few other people from the HASIS team were in Singapore, and they actually had presentations at the National University of Singapore and also um, at their technical university, um, explaining HASIS and how they were, one we did was a one day, a day long demonstration of how HASIS could be used and how some of the training things that we've done and some of the projects. Um, then at the technical university, we actually were given a presentation on a project they were working on um, for another nation that was dealing with um, of estimate of losses from flooding. And so we had kind of talked to them about how HASIS could be then incorporated in their project to show from there. But um, internationally, um, we seem to get a lot of interest in HASIS. Uh, Singapore and in Southeast Asia, they're looking mostly, I think, from flood. But historically, I would say we've seen most of the interest from the earthquake community. So we, we've had had that. Um, oh, and Jamie, just recently um, we did have uh, Dominique uh, from the high school in California. Had I believe she won another um, the Lexus or Volvo Awards um, for her students. So she's actually working in 
bringing Hazus into the high school classroom also. We've seen a bit of that. But uh, there definitely is the opportunity to bring Hazus into a curriculum for higher higher learning. Um, we also will have seen that um, Hazus is used at the university level, but more for the emergency management or hazard mitigation planning for the university or for the facility. Um, so that's another kind of venue or another way that HAZUS is used, um, but wanted just to kind of mention that. So we've seen there, um, I believe that, um, let me just remember there was, um, the University of Mississippi just received a grant um, from FEMA and the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency for developing the university's natural hazard mitigation plan. Um, and so they'll be working with HAZUS on developing the risk assessment portion of that plan. So we've seen it from there. Um, so when we do look at, though, with HAZUS and how it can kind of be focused in on incorporating into curriculum, um, that would be one thing. There also is the, the research part of that. Um, let me first talk about bringing it into a curriculum. Uh, we do have courses that we train at our Emergency Management Institute. Uh, we also have contractors that are trained or have been instructed on how to present this training out in the field. Um, so we do have those um, methods available. The next method um, that we also have available for delivering of training is our web-based training. Um, we've have an, we're working very closely with ESRI and we're getting very close to um, finalizing an agreement that would have, I believe, 16 modules up on the ESRI virtual campus, similar to where the Hazards for Decision Makers um, information is or webinar is. We would have different modules. Out of the 16, 13 of the modules actually would constitute our HAZUS basis, basic course. So for people that have gone to our Emergency Management Institute, that would be similar to the E313 course that people take at EMI and working it from, you know, understanding from that. So they would be able to use that and we've worked it with EMI that if you do take those classes, you are you would or take the classes online that would actually be um, have given credit as if you did take it at EMI. So if you were looking at putting the or fulfilling the requirements of our certificate programs, they'd be able to use that instead of actually taking the course at EMI. So that's some of the things that we've done with training. Um, I know that there actually have been some people that have incorporated some parts of HAZUS into their curriculum, either through the webinar for the HAZUS for decision makers or actually getting that information uh, put into there, so doing a risk assessment course um, from that standpoint. Um, another thing that we do see is people actually doing research. Um, one of the questions we had received in the past was, uh, would HAZUS be open source? 
Um, we've done some research into that, and it looks very promising that we might be able to go down that road. Um, it's relatively new for the government to work with the open source um, software and being the proponent of it uh, within FEMA. We really haven't seen that much of people doing it in that way. Uh, but I'm hopeful that we'll be able to work toward that so that we can expand hazards um, to other natural hazards um, in that venue. Um, plus, also with a lot of our overseas partners, we have an agreement with Canada. We're working very closely with Singapore. Um, other countries um, around the world have shown interest in the hazards. Um, Doug Bausch from our Region 8 office with Jesse Roselle, they were just in Saudi Arabia, and they had done a training course um, for quite a few people, even some from Australia um, there. That was a, a back in January. So we've seen a lot of interest in that venue. Um, so hopefully that gives you a bit of a little understanding, hopefully, of where we're going. And now I'd just more like to turn the floor open if there's questions. Um, as Jamie had said before, please state your name and what institution that you're representing um, so that we can capture that information from the call. So is there anyone that had any questions? You guys don't hesitate. It's a good opportunity for us. Does anyone think that has this being open source is a bad idea? Does anyone think it's a good idea? I think it's a good idea. This is Brian Schumann, Region 2. Okay. <laughs> if you can build, uh, you know, people will be able to build uh, other applications on it, etc. Are there any universities that if we did have it open source would um, be interested or, or develop um, applications or APIs for HASIS and make enhancements to it. Well, maybe we shouldn't go open source if there's going to be no interest out there. No comments?
Well, you guys, what motivated you to jump on the call today? Let's see if we can get some conversation going. We're lucky to have Eric with us today. Let's take advantage of that. Hi, this is uh, Essence Spain. I'm not representing any uh, academic uh, groups today, but I did have a question regarding your open source there, Eric. Uh-huh. Um, so currently, Esri has a, a flex viewer out there that sits on uh, an iPhone, and uh, so this would be able, we would be able to, at one point, um, be able to pull up and access, so this uh, and he has this work that's done, or we'd be able to call that in and be a, it'd be like a, we could pull it up as a layer, any work that we've already created or something, pull that up as a layer on our Esri, uh, on our Esri apps. Um. I don't know if we would work with in the hazardous realm, but um, FEMA, um, with the risk map program, is developing a, a national flood hazard layer, mm -hmm. and that might be something that we've um, would probably might be a better way to do that of uh, posting information on risk assessments. Yeah. Um, one of the things that's been talked about is, you know, someone I put out, what if we put a risk wiki? out there and had risk for all the different communities and see about how people might want to add their information on there. Or um, do we have it more con controlled environment and that we would post information maybe from the hazard mitigation plans uh, for different communities? I think a field trial. I think a field trial on that risk wiki sounds like that'd be a, a good stab or a good uh, good way forward, and then uh, everybody get kind of a feel for that. It'd really be interesting to see how it would be self-regulating. I guess would be um, from an experimental standpoint. It'd be interesting. I would. I would like to see what we would be as if people started posting things, and how it would be changed and maybe refined and um, kind of getting to the more. Uh, detailed type of analysis that uh, communities might want to be interested in doing. Yeah, perhaps a password accessible or something to that effect uh, as far as uh, uh, not so open like like a wiki truly is, but more sort of a control type of wiki in the sense that, you know, you know once you make it past a certain gatekeepers, you can access it, you can provide this information, but you can't manipulate it per se. Yeah, that you know, there's a lot of different um, ways that I guess it could be um, established. Uh, some would be if you just had it open, or it was attributed. Um, you could attribute all the different changes that people would make, um, so you could see or have to post information, or have it um, you know more locked down, so people would have to send in information. It would then have to be vetted before it was uh, posted. Would be a, even another way to look at it. So there's quite a few different ways. I would say to um, come up to that, but uh, I thought it'd be interesting, at least maybe more from a, a social type of experiment mm -hmm. of how the changes would be made. Would we see a lot of people wanting to decrease the risk um, to maybe show their community a better light, um, or um, how they would kind of bring that information up um, or, or show it higher so that uh, people might take action more? Because a good case in point would be like a flood inundation map that would show below a uh, show below certain dams in uh, certain geographic areas. Yeah, you know things like that you'd have, or here's the dollar risk that's out there. Here's the number of homes that are at risk. 
in a particular community, um, and then seeing if the community wants, you know, and having it open so if the, the actual local community wanted to make any changes, um, they could would be one way to look at it. Um, you know, if, if they felt it was incorrect or if they wanted to refine the analysis. Um, you know, we do the like the FEMA 366, the, the earthquake study that was done. We would have that information by county, um, but be able to take that information and having someone actually post it, but then look at have the communities look at it and see if they would want to refine it, or they might even validate the information. Oh no, that's what our risk is out there for the earthquake. Hey Eric, this is Melanie Gall with Louisiana State University. I'm actually using the National Flood Hazard Layer, and I think that wet mapping service is excellent. So I think if we could do something to build on that, I think that would be fantastic. That was one of the um, concepts someone had brought up to me about attributing. We're doing a uh, flood risk assessment, um, flood average annualized loss study, and we had mentioned about actually posting the information up there. My only concern would be is how granular we would be able to post it based upon how the analysis was done. Since we're using, pardon? I think right now you have to, I think data is only visualized if you zoom into like a 1 to 10,000 scale. Yeah, I would think that we'd probably maybe just um, attribute it maybe more at the county level. Mm-hmm. Um, and then have that information, but be able to people to kind of upgrade it um, mm -hmm. if they did more detailed analysis. Yep. My concern is that, you know, we're using some of the uh, work within HAZARD, and we know that we have limitations with modeling. Um, and to a layperson, um, it does get to a credibility issue if we show information out there that is more at the granular level where we know the analysis really doesn't support to be um, identified at that level. But I'll pass on that the flood, National Flood Hazard Layer is being very helpful to the people that are working on it. Yes, I, I think it's, it's really good. And I think because people have to have a certain knowledge of using GIS and hazard, I think it's a, it's a good stepping stone. Yeah, that was right. always been the question. People have brought up to me about, well, we need a hazard light version. And I said, well, if we make it too light, you're not going to be able to get very detailed information or information that's uh, so caveated that it might not provide any real useful source or um, uh, information. You know, I could say um, probably if you look out and the risk of that particular area of flooding is between, you know, 1 and 1,000. Um, you know, I mean, it, the idea would be is it would be so great a bound um, that it wouldn't provide really any information that people would want to take action. Um, mm -hmm. So having it um, as a light version might be a problem, but what if we were able to provide more of that um, flood inf or risk information to the particular person? Um, most times the people aren't interested in running the analysis, but more of what is the resources or what's the outcome of the analysis. I mean, for example, if you, so if people just want to visualize it, you have some basic RGS knowledge. I mean, you can, you know, load 
an online base map and then add this web mapping service, and you already have all your information right at your fingertips. So I think if there's already some pre-existing modeled output added to that national flood hazard layer, I think that would be excellent. Yeah. I always say that if we, what would you say if we put it out at the county level? Do you think that would be helpful enough? I think it would, it's worth a try. Okay. My, my concern is putting it out there at the county level, and then um, if we put it too high, people won't, you know, look at it very seriously. Um, but if we put it at too low, then they seem to focus in on um, one particular census block, and, and that's I think really county is good. If you look at mitigation plans, they are done at county level, so yeah. I think that's a good start. Yeah. That was something that we had talked about doing. Um, one of the things they did with uh, when we were putting together the average annualized loss study, not only to look at the dollar losses, but loss ratios um, compared to the exposure that's out there. Uh, that really did kind of change when we we did it just a, a thematic map for the United States, and you can actually see where some of the states changed in priority. Um, the one I remember also that was very prevalent was West Virginia. Um, it went it jumped quite a few positions upward when we looked at loss ratio, which really tells me is you know what's the impact of flooding to that particular community. Uh, much higher than you would see in other communities. So you might have California or Texas that might have more in the way of losses, but it's spread out over a larger um, exposed area or the larger exposure. So this way you would have, it wouldn't have as much of an impact as you would have like in West Virginia. Well, Eric, while we're on, could you talk um, just briefly about the development of a tsunami model? Oh, yes. Um, one of the Thank things you. we were able to um, actually procure funds to start the development of a tsunami model last year. Uh, with that, we've, of course, on our hazardous development, not only do we have contractors putting that together, but also have a review committee of independent experts um, that are actually, we have some from Canada on there also, so it's not just U.S., but a cross-section of academic and um, industry people um, and other federal agencies that we've brought in um, with that. So we're looking to leverage the work of what NOAA's doing in their tsunami inundation mapping uh, with the MOST model and then taking that information and actually developing damage functions that would be directly for tsunami um, so that we can do tsunami risk analysis. So that won't be out for probably about a year and a half. Uh, so we have quite a bit of work in front of us. So we don't see anything, I would say, until 2013. That's exciting. Does anybody have a question about the development of the tsunami model? And I have a question. Are there thoughts about what the model will be after that? Is it possible that it'll be wildfire or? Yeah, Jamie, I wouldn't know what. Uh, I guess it, it all depends on the resources that are available. And okay. Also, where we could see it partnering. One of the things that we're trying to do now is really partner with other federal agencies that work with that. So 
we've had had some preliminary talks with the fire service um, on information on there, but uh, nothing that we have in planning stages right now. Okay. All right, well, we've brought up a couple of big topics. Does anybody else have a question or something they'd like to add? Are you sure? I don't want to cut anybody off. Jamie, this is Margaret Walton. Um, how about the discussion that we had before about the different labs that are in the country? Do we have a list that's more comprehensive now that has this lab for the academic institutions? No, I don't have a complete list yet, but that is something that we talked about on a previous CERC call is making a list of um, the premier laboratories in the country who may be interested in using HAZUS or maybe doing some GIS work that could possibly relate to, to HAZUS. So we'll have to, I think, work on um, making that list. All right, well, um, the next call we're going to have for the HERC is currently scheduled for April 19th from 2 to 3 p.m. I know that's a couple months out, so um, things could change between now and then. And again, I encourage you to make sure that you sign up for the um, Gov delivery if you haven't done so already. It's a very good way to have the most current information come right to your email inbox. Um, I'm always accessible. If you've got a question um, or concern, send me an email or give me a phone call. I'm always happy to hear from you. And I encourage you to participate in um, the hug calls, the national topic-specific calls, as well as the individual um, hug calls that we have. And the next call that's coming up is the Canadian Hazus User Group has a call next week on February 15th. So I'll wrap it up unless anybody has anything else they want to uh, say today. I did have one one more question uh, for Eric. This is Moses from FEMA Region 4 yes. about the tsunami modeling. Yes. Um, will that just focus on the West Coast, or would that also include the East Coast and the Gulf as well? Um, we do have a risk, um, not as prevalent as the West Coast, but um, like the earthquake in Haiti or Charleston earthquake, um, that we could possibly have um, tsunamis in the Gulf Coast or in the East Coastline. So is that something also going to be looked at, or is it just focused on the West Coast? No, it will be for um, actually for all the United States. I believe okay. the Caribbean also. Oh, great. So Puerto Rico, um, the Virgin Islands. One of the things that um, I have on uh, as a high, higher priority on my list is to actually get the hurricane model um and um, working in the Caribbean for Puerto Rico and the Virgin Islands. Um, I really feel that's something we need to work on. But with that, we'd also want to make sure that we um, do all our models that work um, for those areas. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks. All right, you guys, so that's it for today. Eric, thank you so much for participating. I truly appreciate it. I know you're busy, and it was great to have you on this call, so thank you. Thank everyone that called in. Appreciate it. All right. All right. Take care, folks. We'll talk to you soon.